Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Nazreen is an immersive portrait of one of the world's most courageous human rights activists and outspoken leader of Iran's remarkably resilient human rights and women's rights movement. Nazreen Sotodeh is an, a remarkable human being, and she is supported by a an array of people from within Iran as well as outside the country in her work and in her joy and, and her appreciation of life. The film is called Nazreen, and we're joined today by the producer, director, and writer Jeff Kaufman, as well as the producer Marsha S. Ross. To both of you, welcome to film back to Film School Radio. Thank you. Good to see you again. Yes, as well. Uh, I, I, as I said to you off camera, uh, I have this is the first time I've heard of her uh, in terms of her work and what she's been doing. So I'll ask you, how did you first hear about her? And if you want to start, Jeff, how did you first find out about Nazreen? Sure, I've done a bunch of projects about human rights and, and uh, short documentaries about human rights in Iran. Uh, and it's interesting, even though the theme of those are obviously uh, critical of the regime, each film gave me a deeper, deeper appreciation of the Iranian people, uh, the depth and breadth uh, and, and culture of the Iranian people. And um, a lot of pieces kept telling me to go back to the story one more time. And there's this remarkable woman who uh, is an icon of human rights all over the world, Nazreen Sotadeh, who I had read about. And one of the things I loved about Nazreen was the way she would often fight for religious minorities, put herself at risk to fight for those who were at real risk in her society, women, children, fighting against the death penalty, just a remarkable woman. So Marsh and I, you know, we always do everything together uh, as far as film is concerned. And um, we reached out to Nazreen and her husband Reza Condon through a mutual friend and uh, spoke to her about the possibility of doing a documentary. We shared some wider vision as well. We both, all of us wanted it to, through Nazreen, connect people, like I said, to um, a part of Iran that people don't normally see, you know, kind of real life in Iran, real culture in Iran. But we also wanted to pay tribute to this remarkable women's rights movement, which has been struggling for decades for basic rights for women in that country and has a lot to say to this country. So Nazreen agreed with that vision and so did Reza and off we went. Marsha, Ross, what what resonates with you about Nazreen and, and her life and her work? Well, I find her to be a remarkable individual who has really dedicated her life to making a difference in the lives of future generations of Iranians, especially Iranian women and children of Iran. And you know, as a mother myself, um, I was really interested to come to understand this, you know, the way a woman can choose you know, this, this route in life that it possibly means that she's not going to be there with her children as many women activists in Iran cannot be. They're in prisons right now, merely for speaking their minds. And uh, I wanted to really understand that. And, you know, the women that I met and the people that I met and that we talked to like Nazreen and Nazreen herself, you know, they don't see it all as a sacrifice. You know, they really see that they, have a calling and a need and a necessity to make a difference for their own children and for the lives of future generations. And so 
They're, they're not thinking about themselves. They're thinking about others. And that is very consistent with Nazreen. I mean, what we've seen over and over again through her return to prison is how many times the actions that she's taken have not been to serve her own needs, but had been to help fellow prisoners or people that were condemned. It, it, it's She's a unique individual. And adding one last thing, and I think you brought it up at the beginning, Mike, is that, you know, outside the United States, in many ways, she's much more well-known. You know, I, I felt, we both felt for a long time that we who follow the news or don't follow the news in this country often know of governments of other countries, government to government, not people to people. And I think as Jeff said, we really wanted to capture the common humanity, you know, between the people of the two countries. And uh, that was very important for us because I, I and, and also the fact that Iran is, as Jeff said, a really beautifully cultural place that we as Americans in particular know nothing about. I, I'm so glad you are talking about this because this has been my impression of Iran for decades, is that it is in some ways a bit of a, a riddle to us in America. Uh, but one of the things that's always kind of struck me is it's one of the countries in the Middle East that seems to be culturally predisposed to more of a Western perspective, more of that. But the government, and for, and we can get into that, the government, the ruling class has been resistant and antithetical to that perspective. It seems like there's more of a, an appreciation or respect between these two worlds, the West and 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 Persia, if you will, that seem there's a lot of similarities in perspective, but not so much in terms of the ruling class. I think there are forces in both countries, in politics in both countries, that feel it's better to demonize the other, to make an enemy of the other uh, for their own domestic benefit, uh, than to find ways to communicate and to work together. Uh, and there's a lot of pieces you can connect to. We also have a very contentious and difficult history. Uh, overthrowing their democracy in 1953 is not really a good way to build friendship. Uh, but Iran has committed many crimes as well. It goes both ways. Ultimately, it's better to understand each other and find ways of mutual respect than it is to build towards war. And there have been real uh, drumbeats towards war with Iran for a number of years now, and that would be cataclysmic. So again, one of the things we want to do in this film, is, and Marcia said this quite well, is, is to uh, create a portrait of real life in that country and real people in that country. I think there's so much to be inspired by and to learn by and to feel a connection to. And hopefully that, along with a new administration and a chance to work on uh, reestablishing the nuclear accord, will give um, the foundation for slowly building credibility moving forward. It's been a sort of an interest of mine for a long time is the 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 coup in 1953, the overthrow of Mossadegh, and the impact it's had. I would make the argument in the post-World War II era, that is one of the most significant developments in terms of world politics was that particular event, the overthrow of, of Mossadegh, and its impact, the rippling effect it's had to this day, and as you just described. But there's also this history that we get into at the very beginning of Nazreen in terms of sort of the Persian culture, going back to 530 BC, where women stood in, in, in the culture of enjoying what it looks to be, to be almost a full menu of, of human rights afforded them. And so there has been this kind of cyclical sort of pull in this part of the world. And hopefully we're in the, on the upside of 
uh, recognizing human rights as we move forward. But it's good that you put that in the film. We get a perspective on the society. And I think I think it sets up a lot of what Nazreen and these other people are doing. Marsha, is that is that a fair a fair assessment? Yes, 100 percent. And it's very disturbing as a woman. And one so story that I actually read was actually about Dr. You know, Shirin Abadi, who's in the film. Yeah. And when she graduated you know, from law school, she was a judge at 23 years old. In Iran. In Iran. She was a judge. And then after the revolution, later on, of course, when everybody thought everything was going to be so much better, when you know, they brought the Ayatollah back and the whole thing was going to be really great for people, the exact opposite happened very, very quickly. And she went from being a judge in her own court to being an assistant to a man who she was replaced by. Uh, and eventually she was driven out of the country and has to live in exile as so many people do now. Yeah, women are highly educated. They're actually more educated there now still. I mean, and it's, it's, it's shocking because of the limitations that are put on them, the oppression that are put on them, that they, you know, in terms of what they are capable of doing and should be doing. When our minor listeners were talking with the co-creators, the filmmakers responsible for this new documentary film called Nazreen. It's a wonderful film in terms of just understanding this particular person, Nazreen. So today, as well as the culture of Iran, but they are also responsible for a, a wonderful film uh, earlier this year. Was it this year or, or late last year? I'm trying to remember when it came. The film was at, uh, it had just oh. came out in 2018. It was at Tribeca, but then last year it was on American Masters. So it, it had kind That's, of an interesting, you know, journey. From, and and to fill in the gap there, we're talking about the documentary Every Act of Life right. about yes. the right yes. and LGBT activist Terrence McNally. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Terrence McNally, Every Act of Life. It was just a, a wonderful, wonderful documentary film. And this is as well. Thank you. Uh, I know, will can I just say something yeah. in connection to that? It's funny, you don't. Sometimes when you're working on one project to the next, you don't say, oh, what are the connective tissue between these? You just say, I want to do it. You know, it feels right. But it's really interesting that Terrence so strongly felt that the arts would push society forward. And uh, the uh, attorney, the groundbreaking attorney, uh, Roberta Kaplan said something just like that. She said, um, the arts uh, often get society to a place before I can as an activist. You know, it's, it's culture that moves people forward and, and creates an understanding. And Nazarene so strongly believes that herself. And, and she has this moment in, in the film where she says, uh, art is the best way to pu push back the dictator, yes. you know? And, and so there's, there's uh, Terrence and, and there's uh, Nazarene thousands of miles apart from each other, but with a real bond. And I think it shows the bond that we all can have. Yeah, I, I was, thank you, because that is a thread that I, I definitely feel like, uh, thank you for, for talking about it, because it is an important part of it. It's the artist of societies that lead the way in so many, so many different instances when it comes to human rights, just recognition of the world around us and giving us a way to digest that world in a way that is relatable so that people start to understand and move forward. So uh, that is absolutely right. And let's talk about her husband. Marsha, I want to talk about the importance of, of partnerships and the things that happen in this film. Her husband's an amazing man. Let's talk about him. When we were making the film, we called Reza Kandan, Nazarene's remarkable husband, partner, co-human rights activist, uh, you know, feminist, women's rights activist himself, the Marty Ginsburg of, of our movie. Because I think much like Marty Ginsburg was to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, he was her great champion. Yeah. and believer in all things that she 
does and was doing and encouraged her and as, as Reza does throughout the movie, as you see, and it doesn't need to be the person in the spotlight, but is, has his own career and his own life completely. He's a graphic artist, but he's very comfortable supporting, you know, his wife's ambitions and what she wants to change in the world. And I, I think they would both be the first to say that, um, you know, they couldn't do it without each other. You know, they're both devoted parents. You know, their, their children are a priority. Their relationship is very important to them and they love each other uh, dearly and deeply. I mean, I, I personally, I, I, you know, how they sustain themselves, you know, through her times in prison is, is something that's, you know, I think must be very painful, but it's not something that they wear on their sleeve. I, I mean, they remain extremely positive and very committed to each other and the work. As well as to their children. They have two yes, children. Wonderful children. The kids are, again, you look at this as a parent and you see what the kids have gone through and, and they're remarkably well balanced and very, very comfortable, you know, with themselves. And, and Reza has said, you know, they have a very strong family, you know, his parents, his sister, you know, there are people in their lives that are, that are around. You know, recently when Nazreen was home on medical, a medical furlough, she was talking to Nima, who's grown so much. <laughs> if you see him now, but from when the movie, because he sprouted up from a boy to, a, you know, basically a teenager. You know, she talked to him about some of this and he was like, mom, you have to do what you need to do. And Merava says it in the film, obviously. And they live it. I mean, how she's been raised, how they live. But but again, their son as well. You, you know, they see their mother's work as really, really important and not as a, a deprivation to them either. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the things we wanted to do in the film is, uh, and it comes out naturally who these people are, but it's not just a human rights documentary. Uh, you know, this is good for you. It's, it's really a love story uh, about this wonderful couple and a love story about family and how much they love their family. That also then reinforces the sacrifice, as Marsha was saying. Yes, and also their love of their country, the love of the society, the love of the people that, that they have. And that comes out as well. You can find out more about the film by going to nazreenfilm.com. So that's N-A-S-R-I-N film.com. And from there, you can find out how to watch the film. It's being released through Kino Marquee, which means yes. it's you have a virtual theater release and people can watch it there. And please do that because eventually, and it looks like it may actually happen within my lifetime, theaters will reopen <laughs> and we'll have an opportunity to actually enjoy these wonderful films in a community of people, like-minded people, expanding their horizons as we go in order to really appreciate this 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 film as well as others. So uh, Lemley virtual release, theater release as well as, so you can, and there are other ways to see it, but Kino Marquee is where you will end up if you click on the get tickets from, from nazarenefilm.com. If I could just add to that, and again, by going to www.nazarenefilm.com, it leads you right to how you can purchase tickets and see it in the comfort of your own home, but also support a local movie theater. Yeah. But there's also a page on how you can get involved. So you can sign a petition about uh, Nazarene Saturday from Pen America. And there's all these live links to other wonderful groups that are doing human rights work and supporting Nazarene and others like her. So you can just click through and start your uh, process of making a difference for other people's lives. We have a newsletter and we update it regularly with uh, information about what's actually happening to Nazarene personally in the world and uh, Reza as well. Uh, we have talkbacks for all the impact events that we've been doing around the world um, and in this country. And um, 
screenings that are coming up, any kind of thing that we're doing around the film is there. Virtual cinema is kind of a new thing for a lot of people. It certainly was for me when we when we decided, you know, to go forward with this. But it's actually a lot easier to get tickets you know, than, than than I realized. At well, first. right. And for people who are expecting, it's a little more expensive than if you were to go to an Amazon or some that kind of an environment. However, it's cheaper than going out, hiring a babysitter, having dinner, whatever that you would normally do. And I'm not, this is such a mixed bag. We're in a new world. We have to figure out how to navigate it. And we are figuring that out. But this virtual theater release allows you to support theaters to keep them somewhat viable in terms of moving forward, waiting for that day when we can all go out again. But at the same time, uh, you have an opportunity to watch the films. And it's it's different, but adopt, adapt, and improve. That's my 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 feeling about life, right? You figure it out, and you try to do better and better every time out, and hopefully you do. And that's one of the ways. So you, as you said, uh, Jeff, we can go click on get tickets, and then that'll take you to a number of different opportunities on how you can watch this. And I, I love the idea that people can get involved, help support people like Nazreen as well as others. Uh, that's wonderful. And uh, before I let you go, do you want to give us any kind of an update on Nazreen moving forward? Sure. And uh, just to not spoil the story, but you know, we were filming with Nazreen for several years, you know, secretly in Iran, uh, under difficult circumstances. Um, just the most remarkable woman, uh, and as as funny as she is fierce, you know, both. Uh, and in June 2018, uh, prior to that, she had become involved in this major women's rights movement called the Girls of Revolution Street, the women who, of all ages, who would take off their hijabs in public, put them on sticks, wave them like a flag in front of traffic, and then get arrested because it's illegal to take off your headscarf in Iran. Nazarene became the lead lawyer for that movement and also a key spokesperson for that movement. And in June 2018, she was arrested. She was sentenced to 38 years in prison and 148 lashes. She uh, was held in the Veen prison. Um, and then as COVID broke out and was you know, ravaging uh, Iranian prisons, she several times called for political prisoners to be released home so they could be safe with their families. Uh, she was ignored, so she went on a hunger strike in August for 46 days. Uh, her health was damaged. And um, just to be short, um, at one point, the authorities said, okay, we're gonna take you to the hospital. And they put her in a car and drove her out of the in prison. But then instead of taking her to a hospital, they took her to a worse prison, Garchak prison. Oh my God. And it's known as a, a terrible, dirty, uh, scary place for women, especially. And um, it was there that she got COVID-19. So um, she was released uh, briefly on a temporary medical leave with a heart condition and COVID-19. And um, after a few weeks, she was told that she would have a few more weeks just to get her health better. And the day after she was told that, they said, nope, we're sending you back to prison. And that afternoon she was back in prison. So she's now again away from her family. Uh, but it's a woman who is remarkable. When she was sent back to prison, she released a statement through her husband and it wasn't about herself. It was asking that the prisoners on death row be released. And you know, she always uses the limelight to pay tribute to her. Uh oh my god that, that is that is incredibly distressing all the more reason to go to uh nazarenefilm.com to find out more about how you can be a part of her story as well as so many other people and you mentioned this the filming of this was done at great risk for those filmmakers who filmed uh the uh this as well as all the other people who put their lives on the line um well thank you for the update thank you both 
for your work. Continue to do what you've been doing. Terrence McNally, Every Act of Life. And that is so for your previous work and people can find out more about that. And, uh, and let's just make a commitment that whatever the next project is, we'll come back and speak with you at that time. Well, I sure. want to thank uh, you both. Uh, Jeff Kaufman, director, producer, writer, uh, as well as Marsha S. Ross, the producer of Nazreen. Thank you so very much for being here again. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.